Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Trust podcast, dedicated to those taking the challenging road to bring positive ideas to society. My name is Asim Ishak. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur and inventor. I've worked with government, corporates, billionaires, and I've led startups to raise millions to commercialize their innovations. But I have seen way too many business failures. So I created the Entrepreneur's Trust to bring reality to the startup world and help protect innovators from failure. I work with entrepreneurs, coaching them to commercialize. I'm a consultant for growth, and I deliver failure-beating seminars with universities and accelerators. This podcast is my way of sharing great lessons from experts and leaders that I respect for our successful entrepreneurial journey. So sit back, relax, and listen in. So welcome to the Entrepreneur's Trust podcast. This podcast is about the reality of the entrepreneurial journey. I don't talk about how amazing being an entrepreneur is, although it is. I don't talk about how glamorous being an entrepreneur is, but it is. I talk about how difficult, how challenging, but I also talk about how we get through these challenges. And now we're in the middle of COVID uh, across Europe. America is doing its own thing. We're in lockdown here. So it's about survival in this podcast. I am, I say this, I say this word a lot, but I'm, I'm honored to have a survivor. And the reason I wanted this survivor, although her story is about her personal life, she's got through this in an amazing way. And there are lessons for entrepreneurs. So I want to introduce Natalie Kuroz. She went through a brutal attack. She was stabbed 24 times by somebody she did not expect She's an author, she's a speaker, she's a charity worker, and I think she is, in my sense of the word, she's a real celebrity that I'm learning from. And every time we meet, blown away by her courage. So without further ado, can I introduce Natalie Caroz? Natalie, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me along to join this great podcast. So Natalie... I touched on your story. I pause every time I think about your story and I've got your book here. So I would like you in your own words to tell me about the, the nine minutes that changed your life forever. Yeah. So, um, we're going to go back four years. We're going to go back to March, 2016. And my life was very happy. Seemingly, I was eight months pregnant. I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. I was a project manager, really good job, good career path ahead of me. I've been in the pharmaceutical industry 16 years and about to go on maternity leave. I lived with my partner, Bobby, and I had two children from a previous marriage and we were all living in a nice new family life setup. So everything all good. So I'm going to take you to a Friday afternoon, Friday the 4th of March, and I was heading into Sutton Coalfield Town Centre. Now, Sutton Coalfield is a nice suburb, and there are nice suburbs for anyone who's listening of Birmingham, I promise you, there are nice parts, and uh, contrary to popular belief. But um, I was walking into Sutton Coalfield Town Centre that Friday afternoon, and we are talking just gone three o'clock. And I was going to go and meet my partner, Bobby, at the bank. We had some money to sort out to do with his business. As I walked into the town centre, I took a shortcut behind this really nice big church that sits at the top of Sutton Town Centre, a place called Trinity Hill. And as I walked down there, and I'm eight months pregnant, I've got my handbag on my shoulder, I've got my umbrella up, it's a cold, wet day. 
I'm walking down this tree-lined alleyway of Trinity Hill behind the church and I suddenly realise I'm being followed. I sped up, um, feeling that if I could get out to this dead-end road that was ahead of me, I'd be safe. And I do make it out to that dead-end road, but the man who was following me had now caught up and was right behind me. And as I stepped to one side to let him pass, he jumped on me. Um, I thought I was being mugged. I, I screamed as he pulled me backwards and gripped me tightly into him. And I wrestled to get free, convinced that I was being mugged at this point. You know, my handbag's on my right-hand side. He's jumped from my right-hand side. He's behind me. I can't quite see him. He's got this hoodie on. He's very scruffily dressed. And as I'm struggling to break free and screaming at him, at the corner of my eye, I see that he's pulled a 12-inch kitchen carving knife. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at this point, I'm in complete and utter disbelief because you go from thinking, oh, my God, I'm being mugged, to this isn't my world, this doesn't happen to me, this isn't my life, because we all don't believe that anything possibly this bad can happen in our lives. You know, yeah. we, we all like to believe that the life that we create, the values that we have are going to ring true across the world, as it were, and they don't, unfortunately. So there I am, trying to break free. I see this knife, and within a split second, the attacker brought the knife straight down and into the centre of my chest. So here I am, eight months pregnant, pinned by this man, and I'm being stabbed repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember even having to look down at my own chest to actually take it in. That's how much of disbelief I was in that this could possibly be happening. Now to say cut a long story short, but two men came running to my aid. Um, actually, and, uh, you used that that phrase in a really strange I know. way. <laughs> It was a really bad pun, really bad use of words. Well, yeah, I'm glad you used it, not me. <laughs> so, yeah, so these two guys come running to my aid, and um, there are two passers by who heard the shouts for help who happened to be on Trinity Hill where I was at the same time. They jump on the attacker and they pull him down, and the attacker falls to the ground, but he's still holding me. So, they're trying to wrestle him off me, he's still stabbing me. Now, all this time, my head's still trying to process. I'm still in logical mode i'm screaming at this attacker why me what have i done to you what have i done to you we know why are you doing this um trying to still get some sense um the attacker said nothing and he continued with his attack now one of the men managed to hold his arm back holding the knife and the attacker let go of me to get his own hand back so he realizes that this one of these guys has got hold of his arm so he lets go of me to get his arm back Mm -hmm. as soon as he lets go of me I realised that I'm free, so I managed to somehow get to my feet and stagger down the hill a short way, and I'm clutching my bump, and I'm feeling really quite horrific at this mm-hmm. point. I'm pouring with blood, and, and I can see the town centre ahead of me. I'm literally 100 yards from the town centre, so mm-hmm. I can see people going about their normal Friday afternoon, but nobody could hear me, it felt, or see me, and I end up collapsing, and when I come round, the attacker comes at me for a second time. He continues the attack. Yeah. on me and at the point he's actually holding a knife against my throat the uh, a young man who had heard the screams from the town centre had come running and this young 18 year old lad called Callum rips the attacker off me and pins him to the ground um, the attacker unbelievably gets up for a third time he breaks free from that young man and comes at me a third time but by complete luck coincidence twist of fate whatever it might be three police officers who've been on foot patrol they came running because they yeah. heard the screams and shouts for help and they arrested him. So just as he came at me for a third time, knife over me, they arrested him and pinned him to the ground. And 
that, as you said before, that attack lasted nine minutes, which is a very, mm-hmm. very long time. And in nine yeah, yeah. minutes, he stabbed me 24 times. He was he was definitely going for what he was going for. I mean, he clearly had a target. And boy, he didn't stop, did he? He didn't yeah. stop. So how did you keep going whilst, you know, what was it that was firing you up? You know, what, what drove you to fight your way off, you know, the first time and the second time? You know, what was it within you saying, no way am I giving up to you? I think the thing actually that surprised me and so many of us have it and, you know, quite quite apt on talking to yourself and, you know, just going out to, you know, entrepreneurs and business people is that we must ha- we have a real strong innate survival instinct, massive mm-hmm. survival instinct. And even when we're faced in horrific, unforeseen circumstances, it is unbelievable what our inner survival instinct will bring out. So here I am, eight months pregnant, being stabbed. They reckon the first time I got to my feet, when I first broke free, I'd probably been stabbed 20 times. And yet I still got to my feet. I still ran. The point being was that I was determined I was not going to die. I was so determined. In my head, I knew this guy was really transfixed on clearly trying to kill me. But I was like, no, my goal, my vision is this is not going to happen. In my head, I kept being, this is not happening. This Mm -hmm. is not happening. I'm not going to die. And that survival instinct, that focus on a specific goal, yeah. cheesy as that might sound, but it's true. My specific goal was I'm not going to die and I will do my damnedest to make sure I don't. Well, you know what? Congratulations. You, you're a living proof that if you believe in something with determination, that nothing can stop you. Yeah. I never thought I'd say it in this situation, but, but yes, you are. So he gets arrested. Then what happens to you? Do they take you off in an ambulance? So, yeah, oh. they, they, they pin him to the ground. And um, first of all, the police who are at the scene, they're, they're rapidly doing first aid on me. Mm-hmm. They realise, I mean, they've run into this situation. One of the police officers was only on probation. So the poor girl yeah. was, like, not even fully qualified. So she's yeah. running in and she's faced with this woman now who's heavily pregnant multiple stab wounds, central stab wounds, worst possible place. So they're trying to stem the bleeding. They're working on me. They phone the ambulances are being called. The air ambulance helicopters being mobilised. Mm-hmm. So um, they they do first aid. Um, I'm doing my best all that time to keep focusing. And I remember thinking this reality of one point, I felt myself slipping. I thought, no, Natalie, no, you are not dying here. You're mm-hmm. not dying here. And I started thinking about my two children who I'd already got, I say two children from a previous marriage, they were aged 10 and six. And I'd only been with them that morning in their assembly. That's how I'd left them at school in Mm -hmm. their assembly. And I focused on them and I visualized, I visualized a world of them being Mm -hmm. left without me. And that world was so awful that the whole time I was being worked on on the pavement, when I was in the ambulance and when I was in that helicopter being airlifted to hospital, Mm -hmm. my entire focus was, I cannot die because of um, my two daughters, Emily and Isabel. I kept thinking, I can't die. I've got Emily and Isabel. I can't die. Yeah. Because every time I tried to visualize them being left without me, mm-hmm. it almost gave me another surge okay. of adrenaline to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. So it's like thinking of, if I don't fight, what would be the outcome? Okay, the outcome would be I'd be dead. What, would, does, what does that mean? Well, that means that my children would be without me. My children are going to grow up without their mom. Yeah. No, that isn't going to happen. Therefore, I have to. So it's it's this sense of calm, of trying to stay calm Mm. 
stay focused. One of the comments that the guys in the air ambulance helicopter said, um, in fact, two of them, the pilot and the doctor on board, both of them said separately to me, the sense of calm you had in the helicopter was incredible. Yeah. You're in a yeah. critical condition, one of the worst conditions of people that we've ever had to airlift, but you were really calm. Mm-hmm. And it's because I knew that if I panicked, I would lose my sense of focus. I won't mm-hmm. be able to breathe. I mean, I have to put into context here for everyone listening. I was only on one lung. So my right lung had fully collapsed at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been stabbed, it fully collapsed. So breathing was very, very difficult. And I knew that to stay controlled, I had to keep my breathing centered. Mm-hmm. I had to keep that focus. And every time I started to slip out into a panic, it was like, no, bring it back, Natalie. Yeah. You need to survive. You need to stay calm. You need to think about why you're surviving. It's always that staying calm, staying focused. So I want to to move the story to its conclusion. I want to get. So, do you want to reveal who the the criminal was and what happened to him? As I I was put into a coma, and I was when I came round, I was greeted by three police officers who were there to interview me, who informed me that the man arrested, who'd been in disguise at the scene. Um, was in fact my partner mm-hmm. was in fact Bobby who had left home that morning as normal who I'd known for many years in my life he'd never been violent he'd never threatened me and he was obviously the father of my child and for those listening my child actually unbelievably survived too she's clearly as stubborn as her mum <laughs> so um, she, she survived too um, the knife literally missed her by a couple of millimetres so um, her will to survive was there from the beginning but um, and they, they told me it was Bobby and my life literally fell apart. So all of a sudden I've gone from this happy bubble mm-hmm. where everything in the world was good to this complete horror to now living in this hell hole, which is the only way I can describe it, of yeah. feeling everything's been ripped apart from me. I'm, I'm fighting for my life. My baby's fighting for her life. I've God knows what trauma my family have been through. And the person who's done this is the one person I thought I could rely on, which yeah. was my partner. So um, utter desperation um it's like everything was taken away from me yeah and now where where is bobby and how long is he staying there for so he um he got 18 years for attempted mm-hmm. murder myself and uh, attempted child destruction while baby and injuring the passers-by and carrying a knife and he's now serving 18 years for which he only has to serve a minimum of 12 before he's eligible for parole which i feel is it's ridiculous and- Controversial in itself, if I'm honest. I I mean, I think it's bloody ridiculous. You get, I mean, the amount of times he wanted to do that. The guy's psychotic. I mean, I don't know him. I don't, I've never met him. 18 years for doing something like that. Who's to say you won't do that again? This is the thing. And he was so calculated with it. And it's one of the things the judge said. He acted normally, calmly. I mean, he had his own business. He went into work that morning, Mm -hmm. and according to the guys that he works with, he was joking, he was laughing, he was calm. He talked about me, he talked about Mm -hmm. the baby, and yet he left there. He drove to certain... He bought his lunch. He went to Marks and Spencer's, bought his lunch, sat Mm -hmm. in his bar. This is a man who's within an hour of going to murder his partner and child. Yeah. That's something seriously, seriously wrong and seriously dangerous to be that controlled, to be that focused. Um, During the attack, he didn't run at me. So Mm -hmm. when he came at me that second time, he walked to me. He kept a control about him the whole time. The stab wounds were very, very accurate. Um, Mm -hmm. 
this is a dangerous man, a dangerous man yeah. who shouldn't be out in society again, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I, I'm sure every listener will certainly agree with you. So I want to, I want to move on, and I, I don't want to move on because I'm sympathetic, in sympathy to you, I don't really just want to coldly just stop the story because it's no. so horrific. But, I mean, we are now in times that are unprecedented for most people, apart from a couple of people that are 112 years old, thank goodness, I saw on the news yesterday, most people that have gone through world wars are sadly not with us. And there are, you know, there are some treasures left with us. But a pandemic like this, we've never seen this. We've never had to deal with stuff like this. It's affecting our, our work. It's affecting our children's education. It's affecting the way we socialize. It's affecting the way we live our life. And it's the coronavirus, the novel coronavirus is a pandemic and it is a, a mortal threat to life. So I believe that there are some lessons that you've gone through that great lesson and inspiration for us. So if we break this down in some sort of order, the, first, the thing that stuck out to me was your ability to stay calm. Now, businesses and, you know, I've gone through this as well, you know, panic, suddenly all the work you've got is cancelled and changed and pushed forward. So how do you stay calm in times like this? I think the biggest thing is always focusing on your longer term goal and what would be the outcome. It goes back to the, my attack. When I was in that post-apocalyptic moment, which is almost like as we are now with COVID-19, it's like we yeah, had had some apocalypse. And um, it's focusing, if I lose it, if I panic, what could be the outcome? And actually the outcome could be that we won't make correct decisions, that we, mm-hmm. will, we will lose our focus, we will, we will question ourselves so much that you know, we might give up on things that are really important. So if we stay calm and think, well, what is my overall goal? What is it that I need to do to get through? So like when I, after my attack, it was, I had to survive for my children. That was my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm in a similar position to yourselves. I've started up, obviously, my own businesses, as you well know. And I'm now, I had lots of bookings cancelled. I'm a speaker. Can, I, can you tell me what you're doing now? I mean, I know that you're doing some work for the Air Ambulance Brigade. Just just tell us a little bit about what you are doing now, because now you've joined the entrepreneurial classes. So, to, yeah, just, if you could just spend a moment, tell me about. Yeah, so I do fundraising. I'm an ambassador for Midlands Air Ambulance Charity. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have done in terms of my day-to-day working is I've now set up two businesses. Um, I have a business called Natalie Q Inspire, which is all about inspiring and motivating people. That's motivational speaking and coaching. That can be business coaching and life coaching. Um, and then on my other side, I have a community interest company, Inspire to Quit Blades, where I go and talk to young people about the reality of being a stab victim. So I go into schools, youth offender units, um, I'm looking that I'm going to be going into prisons, you know, about when they're doing the rehabilitation programs, when mm-hmm. especially when the younger offenders in prison, sort of the 18 to 25 year olds, who are actually the most at risk of being victims and perpetrators of knife crime, and going talking to them about the reality mm-hmm. and the actual reality, the perspective of being on the receiving end of a of a knife and what that means. Um, and I do those businesses so. My time now is spent talking to groups of people. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, in COVID-19, we're having to socially distance ourselves from people. Yeah. 
So quite rightly, as you say, all of a sudden, everything that I had bookings-wise, all the grants that I've been going for, for the community interest company, they're all now on hold. They've all been mm-hmm. postponed. And it is a scary time. And I yeah. totally am on board with this thing of this fear. And I've had to control and go back to my lessons mm-hmm. and go, right, Nasty, now you have to stay calm. Yeah. You can get through this and you will get through this. What is the goal? This is the time now to think about what is it we still set out to achieve originally? Mm-hmm. Take this as time. Can we, can we achieve other goals? Are there other things? So while we're trying to sort of stay calm, it's like, right, I'm going to take this as a positive. I'm going to reflect mm-hmm. what else was it I wanted to develop in my business. Yeah. What haven't I explored? Are there contacts? We, we know as entrepreneurs, we are so busy. We are yeah. networking. We are doing this. We're going to this meeting. We're going to that meeting. We're connecting with them. And sometimes we just actually can take this time now to stop and think, right, who do I really need to focus? Yeah. Where can I amend my business plan? Where can I get my focus? And when we start doing that, we feel we're starting to get control. Yeah. When we get control, that's when we can stay calm mm-hmm. because the two start to go hand in hand. So it's all about being calm and gaining control. And I feel that that is all directed by always going back to your focus. Where is it that you want to go? Where is it you're heading? So how far are you looking out in terms of your focus now? Because... Um, I don't think we can take a steer from necessarily what the, the UK government is telling us. Looking at what China's going through is three months. Trump thinks it's two weeks. Uh, Europe is just hanging in there and, it, and, you know, they're just about seeing the peak. So when you say, you know, have a longer term focus, what would be your, your advice on how far an entrepreneur needs to think about before we can get to normality? I mean, I know you're not a scientist. I think realistically we're looking at, no, I'm not, um, no. Well, I was a scientist by background many years ago, but um, I mean, w- personally, on my personal view is I'm going on a six to 12 months plan now. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, um, what can I put in place that I can start having conversations now that I can start building up? So I have to be realistic for the type of business I do where I speak a lot in schools and colleges um, even in young offender units, they're not going to allow outsiders in for yeah. probably another five months, if we're honest. You know, yeah. for the school term, I might not be going back until September. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what other things can I add to it? What else can I do to supplement my income, obviously? Mm-hmm. But in terms of my overall business planning, I'm thinking, well, what can I grow? What can I grow in the next four to six months mm-hmm. to get me over that period till we're out of isolation fully? And then what do I want to do? How can I hit the ground running as fast as possible at six months? So what grants can I get in place? What conversations can I have and say to people, I know we can't, I can't be out there, but I want to be ready that as soon as we have that lifted, I want the money in place. I want the plans in place. Let's go for it. Um, But realistically, in my mind, I'm thinking on a six to 12 months plan. I think that's really sensible. And I think the way you're structuring those conversations is that, Okay, you've accepted the situation as it is, but now you're thinking about moving on and when you can get going rather than falling apart, believing that something that you plan for isn't going to happen and trying to push that forward. You just accept the situation as it is and you maintain and build on that relationship. So when it can happen, you're top of mind and you're the person to actually take that opportunity because with every opportunity, there's somebody that wants something done and there's somebody that wants it done, wants to do it. So 
acceptance great... is huge acceptance is i mean it's a great point to bring up about acceptance mm -hmm. um acceptance a massive part of when i do like say if i did a nasty care or survival guide you know we'd have calm we'd have acceptance mm -hmm. is certainly going to be in there um as well as also planning our goals but you see the way i see it the world is going through a trauma that, that you know we are going through a trauma a worldwide trauma this is what mm -hmm. covid 19 is doing you know it's it's literally torn our world apart you know it's changed everything and as with any trauma we are never going to be the same afterwards yeah that's what i've learned with my trauma we are never trauma changes us permanently that's mm -hmm. what we have to accept the massive part of trauma is almost accepting okay life isn't going to be the same mm -hmm. this has happened this is now our new normality this yeah. is what i have to work with mm -hmm. and the sooner we can come to acceptance of that then we can start moving on it was really hard for me to accept after my attack that i had now a different normality that my life was never the natalie that walked onto trinity hill on the 4th mm -hmm. of march 2016 she had gone yeah. there was things i was going to always take from that natalie there were things that i've learned but a new natalie emerged now all of us in business we will all change through this because we have to we're having yeah. to adapt but we're having to accept and we're going to accept a new world that is going to be different for quite some time and acceptance is massive so can i ask you to just break down how your life has changed in bullet points if you like from when you were working in a drugs company to where you are now what what were the three main four main steps that were the big changes in your life the first big change in my life was a um, massive growth in self-belief. Mm -hmm. When we can accept that actually we are all survivors in our lives, we've all got through traumas before, and that therefore we can get through so much more. Mm -hmm. And also, and that's a big, big change. To suddenly realise the power you've got inside of you, Yeah, massive change, massive mm -hmm. leap forward, because you suddenly have opened up these doors and windows. Um, the next sort of stage about how I've changed is a way of being able to accept and calmly judge situations. Whereas I might have flipped out more uh, in pharmaceutical world. In pharmaceutical world, I kept myself very safe. I worked in it for 16 years. Mm -hmm. I worked in it for 16 years because it was safe. It was secure. Yeah. But also now I realised, actually, if I stay focused with certain goals and my retain that self-belief that we've just talked about mm -hmm. that actually i can form new goals yeah. and i can go on and achieve and if i stay calm even when things are a bit rocky i know i've got through rocky times so anything i come across now it, it is achievable yeah so that's another way that this new natalie has changed and formed you know the new business potential and um the other thing the massive part of change i think that's happened to me is the networking getting help and mm -hmm. i always thought to be successful um sounds daft now when i look at it um i didn't want to ever ask for help i yeah. used to be awful i used to be like i'm not going to ask for help if i ask for help then that's weakness mm -hmm. i was a coach for god's sake so completely hypocritical <laughs> i mean you yeah. know the one thing when we're coaching people is where else can you get help who else can you turn to what else can you do and yet as a person I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to ask for help because yeah. I can work this out for myself. And a big lesson I've learned, and that's massively changed the person and how I approach things, is that I now turn for help. Mm -hmm. I now ask for advice. I now look at other people's opinions. Mm -hmm. And it actually doesn't make me weaker. 
as an individual, it makes me a stronger person. It makes me a strong person personally. It makes me a stronger person in my business of life. Of course, yeah. But because of the attack being so devastating, it forced me to open yeah. up to have to get help. And actually, suddenly I realised this isn't such a bad thing. And actually, mm -hmm. people don't think of you as any weaker. No. And then I've sort of built on it, built on it, built on it. And I turn to people for advice and support, um, like a good self. <laughs> and, um, Thank you. But it's true, though, you know, because I realised that there's so many qualities and we all have to be particular about who we turn to for Definitely. our help and support and advice. And we have to think about that carefully. And I think you get a judgment of that quite quickly with someone. Um, hope you don't mind me sharing. Obviously, you and I sat and spoken and yeah. talked and I got very quickly in our conversation that, you know, is very clear and calm and your thought pathways, you were very open, you were great with coaching and bringing through ideas. And actually mm -hmm. we could have a really good conversation. Actually, we hardly talked about my attack before today, which is very yeah. weird. Yes. This is the first well, time you talked about it, you know, and because we were talking about the vision that I had about going forward. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've, yeah, I want to declare that you are a coaching client of mine, but I'm very privileged to have you as a client in that respect. But for me, I've realized that what you wanted to do is get beyond this story. You had a vision and goal and ambition for yourself. And whilst um, it was really interesting to hear about the story, and it is, if I'm going to be of any use to you, I've got to be on that journey going forward and, you know, be part of the rocket boosters or the jet fuel um, rather than, you know, be the person that holds you down to where you are right now. And that's what we need to look at when we're going forward to get support from people yes. around us is we need people who've got that vision and got that drive. And it's why I sometimes call it, it's it's having your committee. And mm -hmm. it's, and I now see that I always have a personal committee. So I have a committee, I have the one person or two people, one or two people who I know are my emotional support mm -hmm. because we all have emotions. We still have to manage yeah. those. Times like this, we have to have emotions. We have to have an outlet of emotion. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, I need someone who's really good to discuss, bounce ideas up about future planning, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and I have yourself and, um, another friend who's a business colleague who I know that I can talk to and bounce back forwards, back forwards ideas. And we need that committee. Yeah, I, I truly believe we all need a committee. We all need yeah. our own committee. Uh, and it's, you know, if you've got a great coach, the, cro the coach actually learns from their clients as well because these are human processes and I get an awful lot of energy from working with great people who have got energy and motivation and there's something I can add value to and the great thing about working with you here is that you've got you're so willing to give of yourself I mean you've gone and moved on and you are now contributing to society you're using these lessons to teach other people but you have an ambition for yourself and and that burning desire is the only thing a, a coach can't really give you they can't give you that burning desire. Yeah. They can help guide and, and support and be the, the, the person to hear and reflect and cajole and push and pull, but you've got to have the burning desire, and you certainly have that. <laughs> um, one of the other things that must have come through this is all the huge emotions yeah. and that you were going through. Now, we went, society's gone through this huge emotion. The first thing was, we're running out of toilet paper. <laughs> And where are we going to get it from? And then we're going to run out of bread. Like my, that came on people's radar. I mean, 
it, it did come across my radar that, about toilet roll until all of a sudden yeah. the news telling me I can't buy toilet roll. And uh, you I know, know. I, I now have a partner, and I said to him, "What we need to get the toilet roll quite clearly because we're on about the last three rolls in the house, and we actually need some toilet roll." Yeah. And then it was like, we're going to run out of stocks of, of groceries and everybody's killing like hell. And now we're seeing stories of, uh, you know, food waste. Mm. So, but I mean, that's a manifestation of the emotions that we're going through, you know, that things are going to get limited and I better get my shit. What would, how do you manage those emotional things, those emotional, emotional energy? Yeah, because I think we have to accept that um, at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we will have emotions, we'll have an emotional response. And trauma evokes emotional response, um, whether we like it or not. We're not robots. Um, you know, people might say that I acted like the Terminator through my attack because I wouldn't go down, I wouldn't give in, but I'm not robotic and I had a lot of emotions after the attack. And the thing I had to do is I had to make sure, firstly, I was still functioning as a mum because I was now, obviously, after the attack, I was a single mum of three and my youngest was a small baby who very much needed me and was poorly. But at the same time, I had this emotional energy and there were two things and two pieces of advice. And I, and I still, I was reading an article recently, just the other day, about trauma and surviving trauma. And they backed up exactly the thing that I think, and that's almost allowing yourself when days getting bad, to so allow yourself a 15 minute window. And okay. I know it's the same, but 15 minutes mm-hmm. where even if in the day you feel this stress, you almost go, right, I'm going to park that. And at this particular time, which is going to be my safe time, I'm going to have 15 minutes. I might cry. I might scream. I might need to go stand in the garden because we can't go for a walk, clearly, unless if you haven't had your walk for the day, then you can go for a walk. But I'm going to allow myself 15 minutes where I almost have a freak if necessary. Yeah. I will cry, mm-hmm. I will scream. Now, after my attack, for me, that used to be my time that after I'd got the kids to school and the baby was having a sleep, I would go into the shower and I would cry. And I yeah. am happy to admit, I stood there and I bawled my eyes out while the yeah. shower was flowing. It allowed mm-hmm. the tears to come out and I'd walk out and I always felt relieved. Mm-hmm. And I almost sometimes had this thing of like, I just got to get there. And once I'd released that pressure valve, the way I see it, it's like a pressure cooker Mm -hmm. and you have to release that valve and let it out. And you have to accept that you've got that. And I think people have to do this, letting the emotions out. The other thing is, um, and it's not going all hippie stuff because people who know me, um, people who can't see my podcast, by the way, I have very short cropped hair on the one side. I have longer hair on the other side. I have two earrings in my one ear and I've got a big tattoo down my side. So I'm not the typical (laughs) hippie chick no, and more not. of a rock chick if you're going to go there, but is actually getting into yoga and meditation. And I didn't think it was my bag. I've tried it out and you can find these little 15 minute things now. They're on YouTube and stuff like that where you do it. And trust me, mm-hmm. that can really help center you. And yeah. um, sometimes opening our minds to these other things that we might think is a bit cringe. We might think not us. But try it. You've got to, in times like this, we are in a pressure cooker environment. We're stuck at home. We're worried about our businesses. Mm -hmm. We're worried about our families. We don't know when this is going to end. Except you've got emotions. Allow yourself that window. Don't let it go on all day. Don't suddenly pick up a bottle or whatever else. You know, and people suddenly get into drinking every day. No, keep your calm. Keep your control. But allow yourself this 15-minute release. I think the, the last thing... Don't hit the bottle. It's really important because it's so easy to find other things to cover up your emotions and they're not healthy. I myself, I've gone through multiple business failures and uh, I get moments of depression. 
But what I've done in my head is I've turned them into moments of disappointment. So I convert the depression into disappointment. And it's okay to be disappointed. It's fine to see something as terrible and awful. Um, And I'm a trained therapist in thoughtful therapy. And I I have a degree in accounting and finance. You know, I like to, I still like wearing a tie for heaven's sake, but it's been really helpful. It's been really helpful. So I echo your points about finding something that's healthy and sustainable to manage those emotions and to find a place that you can see calm because you've got this whole world around you and you're the rock in your family now, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be the leader. um, And that means you have to really manage and that means allowing yourself to go into the sadness, but do that in a controlled way. And then not going into this other world, which is where we go. Some people go into alcohol. They go into bad behaviors. I mean, overeating right now. Nobody could be blamed for overeating, over drinking right now because we're all at home. But that doesn't Social sustain. distance from the fridge. That's what you need. Yeah. <laughs> Social distance from that fridge. I tell you, it's what we all need to think about. You're so right. You're so right. And, you know, I'm, I've got to say you are a, a very healthy looking being. And you, you put effort into that, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I do exercise. I go out running. And even on these days where I'm in the house, I'm still making sure I get up still at the same time, yeah. that I'm still getting the shower, getting dressed, doing my hair, doing my makeup, because I feel it's important for us to mm-hmm. maintain a routine. As human beings, um, we do need some structure. You know, we might rebel against it, but we do. It's healthy to have structure and as much as possible to still do that. Don't don't slip, you know, have your weekends where you slob out, brilliant. You know, if you want to relax, sit in your pyjamas for half the day, whatever. Monday to Friday, let's get ourselves, let's keep ourselves in that business mindset. Let's get ourselves up, get ourselves dressed, get ourselves, you know, feeling. If we can, on the outside, really show that strength as if we were going into an office somewhere for a meeting or whatever. And I'm not meaning people have to sit necessarily in their suits, but make that effort. Yeah, Connect, totally. connect with that person. We need to remember that person. Um, in my recovery one of the things my psychologist that I used to see um, said, what is it that would remind you, connect you to the Natalie from before? When you're having mm-hmm. those low moments, what are your two attributes? And I always thought about my strength and my freedom. And, you know, and I used to connect different parts of me to try and, and our identity, you know, is, is, is through our business and everything else. And let's not forget that. You, you seem to be a person that has a clear vision for yourself. And we talked about, you know, having this vision, this long-term vision. Um, I wonder if you can just help frame how your your long-term goals are useful to you right now. They're essential to me um, right now. Um, we, we're at a time where some of the goals have to be put on on hold. So we need to analyse what's truly important to us. And if we can have that, then we can break down an action plan and this is the time that we can be planning. We've got the time to plan. And if we can hang on to those long-term goals, we've got something that we can actually form our action plans now while we're sitting yeah. locked in our houses. So um, I think, if anything, our long-term goals are more important to us now than ever before. Yeah. I think if you have a long-term plan, then you don't worry too much about the short-term changes. It's, it's like, um, whereas if you just have a short-term plan and, you know, somebody nudges you, pushes you away from that, you're all lost. But if you have a long-term vision, 
then you're going to get buffeted left and right, aren't you? It's going to happen. Because you've got a long-term vision, you accept it and you manage it and you can see the long... You set your you action plan, you set your contingencies, don't you? You know, mm-hmm. it, I'm, I'm constantly at the moment contingency planning when I'm thinking even about the next six months because I have to think, yeah. well, what if this doesn't... What if we don't get back into schools before the summer term? Okay, well, if we don't, then I'm going to do this, you know. Yeah. It's about being realistic. It's about contingency planning and thinking, well, overall, this is where I want to be. Yeah. And, and to what extent do you think those visions should be ambitious or optimistic i mean i i think it's it's important to be realistic but i think it's also important to have a vision for yourself that really excites you because now's the time you need that energy you need that optimism you need that excitement to see you through the challenges that we're going to see over the next few weeks and months so to what extent have you got a a vision that really excites you for the future I'm laughing because this is really bizarre that you've asked this question um, because I have a vision as part of my motivational speaking as mm-hmm. part of my when I go around and talk I've done various interviews on the radio and television and every time I get interviewed I always get told your story is so unique so bizarre there's so much stuff I found out about my partner about this almost like double life that he led and the mind that was behind him and his thinking everyone always goes you need you need to get a film or a mm-hmm. short film or a documentary made of this so people can hear it, people can see it, people can see your survival, people can see your journey. And that's a real passion of mine is mm-hmm. to one day get this made into some form of film or TV drama or documentary to get it out there, get the story out there, be open about it, mm-hmm. warts and all. And only yesterday I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to email now. I had a contact from somebody who's a documentary maker Mm -hmm. um, from some very successful TV programs. I won't mention which ones, but ones that we all know that are on mainstream TV. And he contacted me a year after the attack and I dug up his email last night and Mm -hmm. he's laughing because I wrote to him last night, his long email and waiting to see if I hear back from him saying, Please could you give me some advice, even if it can't be yourself, it's not suitable for your company, mm-hmm. who else could I contact? What else could I do? And it excites me. Yeah. It might not come to anything, but do you know what? It's such a key part of my overall vision of what yeah. I want long term. And I chuckle that you've asked that because I didn't know you were going to ask that. And yet last mm-hmm. night I happened to write to this um, producer um, yeah. for the first time in a long time. And actually set that out because I thought I need I need that extra little step, that extra excitement, that yeah. little thing of feeling I'm making another movement towards. Good for you. And you know what my advice is? Find three more and email as well as well because it is the time that pe- people are at their desks. You know they're there. You know there's so much crap they're not get doing, and you know it's probably the best time in the world to have a big audacious goal. Yeah, well, I'll like to say that anyone listening to this podcast, if you know of any producers, documentary makers, anyone, please contact the same. Let us know. Please Definitely. contact us. Yeah, let's do it. You know, and good for you. It, it, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen because you push it and you shove it along, and your energy excites people about it. Because when they buy the story, they're buying your ability to survive this. So you have the enthusiasm. So good for you. So I want to kind of, we're at the last portion of this. And I, I want to touch on something that seems to be a huge part of you is this gratitude that you have um, and the sense of, you know, joy about life. And where does that come from? And 
how's that affected the way you're proceeding i think um the fact is is when i was when i was post-attack i say talk about it with my psychologist and we have low moments and there are times just like now with covid19 where you feel everything is caving in everything is negative mm -hmm. and what we have to do i think in those periods of time and it's useful exercise now is to really think about things we're grateful for and again it sounds a little bit hippies hippie dippy whatever else it's not at all it's about saying do you know what today what what are the three things that i'm grateful for and if we can get back to those fundamentals of do you know what if every day i can think of three different things that i'm grateful for it might be i received an email from somebody i wasn't expecting you know i had a really good conversation with someone today actually that i didn't think was going to happen and we can talk about our gratitudes every day then we can embrace the happiness that is is there in our lives even when there's lots of things that aren't good because even when things aren't good we can always find something good in our day that's mm -hmm. happened and so when i talk about my gratitude it is all about genuinely looking and searching each day even when it's tough yeah of what am i grateful for what am i happy for and make it different every single day mm -hmm. and um the other thing i'm big on is obviously i always am grateful to everybody who supported me throughout my journey hence why i'm an ambassador for midlands air ambulance how, why i go and give talks for them you mm -hmm. know I, I appeared in one of their videos that they use at fundraising events and i get i happily give my time to them because i am grateful for what they've done i feel we always have to share that positive energy yeah positive energy is tough to draw out sometimes in situations like we are in with covid 19 at the moment mm -hmm. but actually we can all find it and when our mental health is taking a bit of a battering, as it can be at the moment, um, while we're going through a trauma, we need to self-boost. And we yeah. can all do that by searching within. I think gratitude is the antidote to depression. The moment you're grateful for something beyond you is the moment you stop thinking about myself. And being depressed is really essentially focused on myself. And being grateful takes you out of that and then acting upon it. It's great to see community groups popping up all over the place, doing things to help people. Because not only are they helping to support somebody who can't, but they're also getting themselves out of, I can't do anything. I'm stuck. You know, I'm in trauma. I'm in difficulty. So it has this double effect, doesn't it? It's like this virtuous circle. We look at the NHS volunteers that have come forward. Yeah. You know, during this crisis, the call out was, you know, but I can't remember, 250 or 400,000 or whatever it was, and we've had, what, 750,000. You know, it's, it's been an incredible response, and, and it's people doing positive things. And I will openly admit, when I've done my fundraising, when I've done all of that, there's this little selfish part of me that I've done it because it has made me feel better, yeah. you know, and, um, and I put my hands up to that. But we, we just need to be searching for the positives every single day because that will help us keep our mental balance definitely this has been such a powerful fascinating conversation i just want to summarize the key points we talked about staying calm acceptance emotions and managing those emotions setting a, a long-term goal for ourselves and this really important point about gratitude i think those lessons apply to survivors of all situations, whether you've lost your job because you were working in a restaurant, whether you're an entrepreneur and you've suddenly lost lots of business, whether 
you're a, a, a lone parent and your kids are no longer at school, whether you're going through challenges of personal life, um, I think those are really useful lessons. So uh, I'm totally grateful for that. Um, how do we find out, how do we get in touch with you if we want to hear more about the work you're doing? So I have a website, so my Natalie Q Inspire business. Um, you can find my website, which is obviously www.qinspire.co.uk. So Q for Kairos, which is my Portuguese name, just a really confuse all that doesn't begin with a K. Um, it is the letter Q. And um, I've done a TED Talk, which you can look up. If you look Thank on you. YouTube, look up Natalie Kairos, um, Still Standing, Making It Count. Um, you can find my TED talk. I did a TEDx in December last year. And um, yeah, so those are the best ways in order to find out Connect. My book is called Still Standing. It can be found on Amazon as well as Waterstones, WH Smith Online. And Still Standing will take you through the story and you will see the lessons. I'm very honest in it. Um, I wrote it to The Truth Was Out There. And I had to face some very difficult things through that book. And um, I feel there's some real precious lessons there about our own self-reflection. Natalie, thank you very much. And listener, thank you for listening. I hope this is the one podcast that really affects you in an emotional way. So I'm going to ask you for some feedback. Put some feedback. Let me know what you think of this podcast. Give your support for Natalie. I will put all the links in to get hold of, of Natalie through her website and her book. And I wish you every success in the challenges you're going through. Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Please let me know what you think through the feedback options. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. Until next time, this is Asim Ishak from the Entrepreneurs Trust podcast. Goodbye, take care, and stay really, really well.